0: Put your hands together tonight. Receive the man of God. Let him preach a word into your heart. He's going to help us to move forward in New Jersey Metro. I want you to welcome the man of God, Pastor Jimmy Tony, to this pulpit. And everybody say praise the Lord. I want you to grab your Bibles while you're standing. Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 30. It is so good to be back to New Jersey. I was here last year, maybe around the same time. And uh, I'm so excited to be back. And there's there's way more here tonight than what was here last year. So maybe if I sneak back next year. See what I did there? Uh See what I did there? Uh, Then there might be even more. Now I know somebody might accuse me of trying to treat this like a uh, back when I, I don't even know if they still do this anymore, but back when I was a kid in high school, if there was a big football game coming up that Friday night, then on Friday afternoon we had what was called a pep rally. They still do pep rallies? Okay. Uh, It's where you tried to get everybody pepped up. You tried to get everybody fired up for what was about to happen. Some might accuse us tonight of being a pep rally. It's it's not intended to be a pep rally. But I do believe that I've heard from the Lord. And I do believe that I have a word from God, not only just for the, the ministers of this district, but I believe that I have a word from the Lord for this district because I believe this is our time. Amen. Now we can talk about all the excuses and every reason why we can't do what we want to do. We, we can focus on that if you want to. But I believe this is our time. I believe the stronghold of the enemy is about to be broken. I believe God's coming back. And I believe we're going to go out on top. And I believe the church is going to be the greatest thing going. And I believe all these other Religions and denominations and charismatics, they've all had their day. And God has saved the best until now. And this is our time. And I want to try to preach to the spirit that would be here. Ezekiel chapter 30 verse 21. When this thing is over with tomorrow, I want the devil to have had a bad weekend. Ezekiel 30 verse 21. Son of man. I have broken the arm of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. New Jersey, I have broken the arm of the stronghold of your cities. Apostolics, I have broken the spell of the enemy, and it shall not be bound up to be healed, Put a roller to bind it, to make it strong, to hold the sword. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, I am against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and will, here it is again, break his arms, the strong and that which was broken. And when I do this, I will cause the sword to fall out of his hand. Verse 24, and I'm going to strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon, and I'm going to put my sword in his hand. But I just want to remind you one more time, I will break Pharaoh's arms. And he's going to groan before him with the groanings of a deadly wounded man. We're not even going to give him a Tylenol for the pain. But I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon. And and just one more time, the arms of Pharaoh shall fall down. And when all this happens, they're going to know that I'm the Lord. And I'm going to put my sword into the hand of the king of Babylon. And he's going to stretch it out against the land of Egypt. I want to preach for a few minutes tonight on this thought. The broken arms of the enemy. The broken arms of the enemy. If you'll help me preach, would you shout amen? Amen. Before you're seated, I want to give honor to your leadership, to Brother Wyatt. And Brother Wyatt, the North American Missions Director and Secretary. Let me tell you something about Brother Wyatt. He is respected very highly at the headquarters of the United Pentecostal Church. He has a voice, and he represents you very, very well. And I want to thank the district leadership, district superintendent, district secretary for your trust in allowing me to be back in your district. Amen. God bless you. you. may be seated. When a baby is born, they are born with 270 bones in their body. However, due to the fact that many of those bones will be fused together, that number decreases to 206 bones by the time the baby is an adult. Now of those 206 bones, 64 are in the upper extremity. You have 10 bones in the shoulder and your arm, 16 bones in the wrist, and 38 bones in the hand. And these 64 bones give us the strength to move our arms, to hold things, and to let go of certain things. Our hands do a lot for us. They are capable of performing extremely gentle and precise actions such as writing a letter, threading a needle, typing a text message, But those same arms can also enable us to perform heavy labor, such as swinging an axe or using a hammer, pounding a spike with a sledgehammer. We use our hands to feel whether something is rough or smooth, whether it's hot or cold. Even when we're talking, our hands are, are a key part of who we are and what we're trying to say. How many of you at least know somebody that talks with their hands? The old saying is, if you want to shut up some people, just tie their hands. When I think of the differences between our upper and lower limbs, I'm reminded of that old gospel song we used to sing in church years ago, These boots are made for walking. Because in essence, our legs are made for walking, but it seems as if our arms do so much more. And the Bible has a lot to say about the arm of God, about the hand of God, and even about the finger of God. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils. He is casting out devils with just His finger. And then in 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. And then the Bible talks a lot about the arm of God. I'll just pull one reference. Isaiah chapter 52 says, The Lord hath made bare His holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. And so I want you to have this revelation. Revelation. God is so prevailing that He can defend a nation with His arm. He is so passionate that He can lift up a man with His hand. And He is so powerful that He can defeat the devil with just His finger. And when we begin to have that kind of revelation about the God we're serving, then we have to admit that that headache isn't that big of a deal. And surely He can heal cancer in my body. And He's got to be able to put this marriage back together. He's got to be able to deliver people from drugs and alcohol. And if He's got that kind of power, He can fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. And I believe He could help our churches grow. And I believe he could help our district grow. Let me let me remind somebody today: we're not serving a weak, limp-wristed, yellow-belly, or spineless God. We're not serving a God that is defeated, has ever been defeated, or will ever be defeated. He's got more power in His pinky than we could conjure up in this whole district. And I'm tired of the devil having the stronghold when we serve a God that is all-powerful and that is almighty And I think it's time for the people of God to stand boldly on their feet and put their finger in the face of the devil and let him know the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. If you believe this is our time, I wish you would clap your hands right now. If you want the arm of God to be revealed in your situation, I wish you would clap your hands and give Him some praise. Come on, God's going to show up tonight. And God's going to show up in the morning. And when this thing is over, there's going to be some strongholds that's going to be broken. And somebody's going to walk out of here with victory. And somebody's going to walk out of here delivered and set free. The devil's had New Jersey long enough. Now, I've never evangelized. That's evident. Uh, I've I've really just for the most of my ministry I've just pastored a church and most of that was starting a church. And so I, I know what it's like to to deal with brand new people and you know I hear I hear some of my friends say all the time, you know, that's a key person in my church. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I don't even give nobody in my church a key. <laughs> So I've always just kind of been around the pastoral side. So, so allow this statement to come through those lenses. But it bothers me when I see so many people plugged in one week only to be disconnected the next week. Victorious this Sunday. Bound by Thursday. Delivered on Friday night. Tied back up early Saturday morning. I think it's time we get off the spiritual seesaw. The Bible says the mountains are going to be made low and the valleys are going to be exalted. And the crooked is going to be made straight. In other words, God said, I'm tired of all this up and down and in and out and hot and cold and off and on. I'm just ready for you to learn how to live for me and to serve me. It's time to quit being spiritually bipolar. God sent a preacher here tonight to encourage you that he's about to break the arm of the enemy in your life and in your church and in your ministry. And when he does, you're going to walk out of here in victory, in power and in apostolic authority. Yeah, but you don't understand the kind of devils we're fighting. You don't understand the kind of stronghold in my city. You don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand. Maybe we don't understand that no weapon formed, created, devised, no weapon formed against us shall prosper the broken arms of the enemy. Ezekiel chapter 30 contains some very powerful and potent language about God's ability to disrupt and destroy the enemy. And while I'll be preaching the majority of my message from that vantage point, I do want to bring to your attention that if God is in a pursuit to break the arm of the enemy, then I have to believe that the enemy would love nothing more than to break the arm of the church. Because there is a principle that is uncovered in Ezekiel chapter 30 that's, that, that teaches us why the broken arm is so powerful because it teaches this principle that if the arm is broken, you going to have to let your imagination work with me a little bit tonight, that if the arm is broken, Ezekiel chapter 30 says that the sword will fall. And if God is trying to break the arm of the enemy so the sword will fall out of His hand, then I have to believe that the enemy is trying to break the arm of the church so that the sword, which is the Word of God, will fall out of the church's hand. See, the Word of God is our sword. And the devil would love to break the arm of the apostolic church so that we can no longer hold the sword. That's why things are happening the way they're happening right now. Sin is trying to break our arm. Carnality is trying to break the church's arm. Worldliness is trying to break the church's arm. Carnality is trying to break the church's arm. Homosexuality, that spirit of perversion and sexual perversion is trying to break the arm of the church. Because if the arm ever gets broken, the sword is going to fall. And I hate to admit it, but there are some pockets of Christianity that have suffered some broken bones, and the sword or the Word has fallen by the wayside. But I'm going to do everything in my power to keep my hand on the sword. I want to be like one of David's mighty men. I want to hold a sword so much that even if I do get tempted to set it down, I can't even put it down because I held it for so long that now it's holding me. I want to hold on to the Word. I want to hold on to doctrine. I want to hold on to truth. A thousand may fall at my left side and ten thousand at my right side, but it shall not come nigh unto me. Every time you worship God, you're letting the devil know I'm still here. Every time you clap your hands, you're letting the devil know it's not broken. Every time you wave those hands, you're letting the devil know it ain't broke. It ain't broke. I'm still believing. I'm still holding on. I've still got the sword. Every time you walk to that pulpit and there's only ten people out there, but you grab that microphone and you preach the Word, you're letting the devil know we lived to see another week and we are not broken. Somebody shout amen. But I don't want to preach about the enemy breaking our arm. No, 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 no. I want to preach about God breaking the enemy's arm. And Ezekiel chapter 30 verse 21 says that he has broken the arm of the enemy. Now you would have to study just a little bit of history to grab a hold of this. And, and I don't want to bore you or spend a lot of time here. But I want to make you aware of a little background and backdrop. This arm of Pharaoh that's being broken here in Ezekiel chapter 30. Refers to the defeat of a Pharaoh by the name of Aprius if I'm pronouncing that right. He was the Pharaoh of the 26th dynasty of Egypt. When Pharaoh came to Jerusalem's aid in Jeremiah, the king of Babylon quickly crushed Pharaoh's army. But the Bible specifically says that God broke Pharaoh's arm. Now this becomes important. Because it could have just said that God defeated him. And at the end of the day, the enemy would have still been defeated. But that's not how he said it, and that's not how the prophet wrote it. And so in my opinion, and in my little twisted, (laughs) warped brain, I believe there has to be more meaning to this in order for there to be so much imagery and detailed descriptions. Because let me remind you what we read. God says, I'm going to break His arm." And then he said, We're not going to bandage it up so it can be healed. We're not going to put a splint on it to bind it. We're not going to put it in a cast. Nobody's going to take a marker and write their name on it. We're going to make sure that that arm is not only broken, but we're going to make sure that it doesn't get healed. I'm against this king. That's what the Lord said. He said, And I'm going to break, you know what? I'm not just going to break one arm, he said, I'm going to break both arms. He said, I'm going to break the one that was broken. And then he said, I'm going to break the strong one. Because when one arm is broken, the other one gets stronger. And he said, the reason I'm doing this is because I don't want the enemy to ever be able to hold the sword against my people ever again. Now that's some detailed and direct language. And the reason why this becomes important is because the name Aprius, the name of the king, the name of the pharaoh, the name of the dictator that was controlling, that name Aprius literally means possessor of a strong arm. Aprius, possessor of a strong arm. Every time they called his name, they were reinforcing And reminding everyone that that's the king, that's the ruler, that's the dictator, that's the stronghold, that's got a strong arm. We'll never be able to win because he's got a strong arm. We'll never be able to win this arm wrestling match because he's got a strong arm. We'll never be able to overcome because that's Aprius. He's got a strong arm. And yes, God could have defeated him. And the writer could have just wrote that he was defeated. But instead, they give us distinct details. Because I believe the Lord wanted us to know that He is able to break the arms of the man who possesses strong arms. I don't know what your stronghold is, and I don't know what what the big devil is in New Jersey, but hear, hear the word of the Lord. I believe God was trying to tell us, I don't care how strong he claims to be. I don't care how strong his arm is. I don't care how strong his stronghold is. I don't care how many years it the devil's been in control there. I don't care how many years somebody has struggled with that. I don't care how many people has went there before you to try to start a church. I don't care how many people have packed their bags and left because they couldn't get anything off the ground. I want to remind you and tell you that I can break it and I can break it in its strongest area and I'll step on the scene and I won't just break one arm, but just in case the enemy is ambidextrous, I'm going to go ahead and break both arms because I don't want you to experience victory in just one area only to get tied up in another area. So we're not just going to break the arm in the metro, but let's go ahead and break the arm in the whole state. We're not just going to have revival in this area while the rest of the area is tied up. How many of you dealt with new people? Now when I say new people, I don't mean new people that has been in church for a hundred years and they decided to come to your church. I'm talking about new people. New people that don't know how to clap. New people that don't know when to clap, new people that don't know anything about church, new people that light up a cigarette on the back row and nothing. <laughs> new people. Sometimes you gotta have a smoking section. We'll just set you all over here. Somebody told me one time I can't believe that man would smoke in the front of the church. I said, Well, I'd rather them smoke out there than in the church. They're sinners. I'm just going to throw up. We may talk more about this tomorrow. But if we freak out when sinners act like sinners, we will never be able to love and win sinners. That's right. That's right. That's right. You know what a dog does? Barks. If you freak out every time a dog barks, something's wrong with you, not the dog. But I'm talking about new people. This is how new people do church. They'll say, uh, hey, Pastor, I want to testify. Because, you know, all new people want to, they want behind that pulpit, man. They (laughs) put me behind the pulpit. And I've learned, uh uh. We're not handing a microphone over to any new. I've I've been, I've had to clear up more cuss words behind a pulpit from new people testifying. I'm not going to do that anymore. So, my first question now is what you want to testify about? Run it by me. And they'll say something like, uh, well, Pastor, I just want to testify. You know, when I started coming to church here, I was I was drinking so bad, and he said, I just want to testify. there has been six weeks. I ain't had anything to drink, and I'd be like, "Well, man, thank God we can testify about that." But now, listen, I want you to pray for me because because I'm I'm smoking more now than ever. And Pastor, listen, I've been delivered from cigarettes. I am thankful for that. But, but I'm, I'm chewing more tobacco now than I've ever chewed in my life. But I'm delivered. Now, we chuckle about that. But we get delivered over here. Only to get bound up over here. We're, we're good in this area of the church. But man, we're a long way from this area of the church. You know what I'm talking about? And God was saying, I'm not just going to break one arm so the other one can become stronger. I'm going to go ahead and break both. I'm going to go ahead... And, and and I'm just gonna. God was saying I'm just tired of that pharaoh controlling you. So I'm gonna go ahead and break this arm, and I'm gonna go ahead and break that arm, so you don't have to let the enemy control you another day. New Jersey, I believe you can be an overcomer. I believe we can be victorious. Listen to me, saint of God. I don't care how long you've been in the church. I believe you can break that generational curse in your life. I feel led of the Holy This is not a pep rally. But I feel led of the Holy Ghost. It's time for the church to arise. It's time for us to become a city that is set on a hill that cannot be healed. It's time to grow. It's time to multiply. It's time to break that arm of intimidation. It's time to break that arm of embarrassment. It's time to break that arm of compromise. And the church said, <laughs> And here's what I love, because I think every home missionary, I told you this last year, but, but to even start a church, you've got to be touched. You can't be sane. You can't be totally crazy. But you got to teeter back and forth. And, and so you've got to be touched a little bit, but now I'll add to that this year. If, if also, if you're going to be a home missionary, you got to have a little bit of smart aleck in you. Now, you can't be too much of a smart aleck because nobody's going to like you. But you got to have enough smart aleck in you and you got to know when to use it. Because sometimes you're going to have to have some straight talks with the devil. And it seems as if Ezekiel had a little bit of smart aleck in him. Because it's like he's mocking the titles of Pharaoh. He's saying, come on up here, Aprius. Come on up here, you possessor of strong arms. God's about to break your arm. And God's going to break both of your arms. God is about to conquer and control. And because of the two broken arms, God said that the king of Egypt would never be able to hold the sword against God's people ever again. He said in verse 22 of Ezekiel 30 that 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 When I break his arms, the strong one and that which was broken, I will cause the sword to fall out of his hand. Because when the arm is broken, the sword will naturally fall. And God was trying to teach His people that when I do this, you don't ever have to worry about the Egyptians having any more control over you. You don't have to worry about having any more power over you. And that's exactly what I felt compelled to tell somebody in this church tonight and somebody in this district that God knows that the enemy has had the sword against you and against your church and against your ministry and against your family and even against this district but he's going to break those arms and when he does that sword is that sword is that sword is going to fall out of his that thing that's controlled you, that thing that's kept you back, that thing that keeps rearing its ugly head, that addiction that keeps coming back every time you think it's gone. God said, I'm about to break the arms of the enemy and the stronghold is going to be pulled down and I'm not just going to break it so you can have revival for six weeks and so you can be delivered for six weeks. I'm going to break it and it'll never be healed again and it'll never have power over you again and it'll never rear its ugly head again. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I believe something can happen supernaturally in this place and you can look back and go, it's never been the same. Something happened that night. Something broke in the spirit that night. Something changed in my church that night. i got a lady in my church, She's a she was a backslider, her name was Doris. Doris was probably, I don't know, 68 years old maybe. And Doris, she loved God. And Doris did good in this area, but she was bound up in this area. And Doris would come and Doris would cry and Doris would lift her hands and Doris would pray. But Doris never really had a breakthrough. And Doris, Doris had a sword against her. The enemy had a stronghold in her life. And Doris drank alcohol every single day of her life. She would be drunk every night. Now, you can judge me and crucify me, whatever. But when you've got a home missions church, you've got to use what you got. And so we asked Doris if she would help us in the nursery class. We didn't. We we didn't. Wouldn't, we didn't want her to come to church drunk. So she would help us on Sunday at 2 to watch some kids about once a month. And then she'd be drunk by Sunday night. But if we had to watch some of your kids, we might be drunk. (laughs) We might be a little tipsy too. Doris would come to church, she'd be drunk by Sunday night. She'd be drunk on Monday night. Drunk on Tuesday. Wouldn't even come to church on Wednesday night. Well, one Wednesday night she came to church. It was just a typical home mission Wednesday night. Just a handful of folk having a Bible study. And the Holy Ghost started moving. And Doris started really plugging in. We went over and laid hands on her. And that's been, I don't know, that's been maybe nine months or a year ago. And from that night until right now, Doris has never even sipped alcohol again. Now she came to the church that night with that sword against her. The Bible says that when a strong man remains in control until a stronger man shows up. And it may just be a Friday night, and it just may be the first night of a a North American mission conference, and you may have just came expecting the same old, same old, and you may have came with the sword still being pointed at your neck, but sometime the Holy Ghost is going to move in this place, and when He does, That thing that's been controlling you. Because the strong man is in control until a stronger man shows up. And let me tell you about the stronger man. His name is Jesus. And greater is He that's in us. And what God did for Doris on that Wednesday night, He can do for somebody tonight. And He can do for somebody in your church this Sunday. And when the arm is broken. Now let me throw this little nugget. I won't be much longer, but let me throw this little nugget out there. You can't always see a broken bone. But when you try to use your arm, wait a minute. Something's not right. You know what, in my opinion, is the most embarrassing thing in all the world? Is to fall down in public. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you ever just like, I mean, fail in public? Now, it doesn't matter how bad it hurts. We've all got this spring built in us that gets activated when we fall in front of people. And all of a sudden, one second we're down, and then I don't even know how we do it, but we're just kind of minding our own business, you know? And then, then, I mean, we jump right back up, and then we're just like... What's up, man? Nothing to see here. Keep going. And then when everybody leaves, Now, you don't see the bone hanging out of your leg. But when you go to try to use it again, you realize something right. You may not see God come in here tonight. You may not see any evidence that the bone is broken tonight. But when you go home and try to use it again, You know how we knew doors was delivered? Because when she went home that night, and she told me, she said, Pastor, when I smelled it in my house, she said, I got sick at my stomach. Because when she tried to use it again... God's going to do something in this place. You may not see it. You may not feel it. You may not even realize it. But when you use it, when you try to use it again, when you try to pick up that addiction again, you're not going to be able to do it. Why? Because it's broken. And I feel like I've got a prophetic word that the arm of the enemy is about to be broken. It's going to be broken over your city. It's going to be broken over your churches. It's going to be broken over this district. And when it is, that sword that's been controlled controlling you and that's been destroying you and that's been haunting you is going to fall and the enemy is going to never pick it back. Uh, Somebody shout, shout, it's broken. Shout, it's broken. Shout, it's broken. The spell is broken. The curse is broken. The hex is broken. The generational demon's arm has controlled your great-grandma and your grandma and your mama and your aunt. It's going to be broken. You don't have to fight your daddy's demon another day. You don't have to pass down your dysfunction to another family member. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And when the anointing of God starts moving in this place, it's going to break that arm. And it's going to break that stronghold, and it's going to destroy that. Somebody shout, it's broken. New Jersey, I have broken the arms of Pharaoh. I told you some of you are just going to write this off as a pep rally. But I just need one pastor to say that's not a pep rally. That's a word from God. Just one pastor. Say, you know what? I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. that my, my city has had aprius. My city's been controlled by a strong-armed man, but he's about to break that bone. You see... Okay, just about five more minutes and I'll be done. T- to break the arm means to deal with the bone. Now, this is going to get deep, okay? So work with me. The bone is hidden beneath the flesh. Now, this is important. Many times, all we want to deal with is the flesh. We just want to deal with the things on the surface without ever getting to the real crux of the problem. God said, I'm, I'm tired of doing that with this king. I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm not just going to mess with this flesh. I'm going after his bone. I'm going after what's controlling the flesh. I'm going after his skeleton. And too many times, our cute little 25-minute sermons and our little seeker-friendly church services and our little three-and-a-half-minute altar calls, they only deal with the flesh. I don't want to drink anymore. That's just flesh. I don't want to do drugs anymore. That's just flesh. I don't want to fornicate anymore. That's just flesh. And, and if all you ever do is just deal with the flesh, you're going to do those things again. I promise you, if you just deal with the surface, you're going to drink again, and you're going to smoke again, and you're going to fornicate again, because our flesh is going to get weak. And our flesh, our flesh oh Lord, our hearts deceitful and wicked, who can know it? Our flesh can become so manipulative. We've got to actually deal with the core. And God said, I'm going to break his bone this time. I'm not going to bruise him. I'm going to break him. In other words, you've got to let God reach beyond the surface and the nice suit and the nice tan skin. And you've got to let him get to the bone. You've got to get, let him get beneath the surface and allow him to deal with some skeletons that are still in our closet. No wonder when God was getting ready to transform Jacob, that little liar and deceiver, into Israel, a prince with God. Don't ever write anybody off. They may come in as liars and deceivers. They may be your assistant pastor before it's all said and done. No wonder when God was getting ready to transform Jacob, he had to do more than just give him a new name. He had to break a bone so he could alter the way he walked. And we live in a generation where we want his name. We just don't want anybody to mess with the way we walk. (laughs) In Isaiah chapter 4, it says that in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, we'll eat our own bread. We'll wear our own apparel. Just let us be called by thy name. Take away our reproach. That, that That's being fulfilled today. God, let me come under the umbrella of Your name. Let me be a Christian, God. But don't You dare break anything in my life. I can eat my own bread. And I can wear my own apparel. But just let me be called by Your name. Don't take control of anything in my life. But God was telling Jacob, if you want to be changed, if you want to be the father of a great nation, if you want to have your name on a map one day, Jacob... Then you're going to have to do more than just get a little blessing that changes your name. You're going to have to allow me to break some things in you so I can alter the way you walk. And if we really want God, and I. I feel like there's a spirit in here that would shout amen to that. This district is ready. You're primed. You're ready. But if we really want God to take us to the next level, we gotta do more than just rejoice over a superficial touch. We've gotta to allow Him to break some things in our lives. We gotta allow Him to break some habits and break some addictions and break some connections. Somebody shout it's broken. I want you to catch this. Son of man, I have broken the arms of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he will never be able to hold the sword again. But it was never God's will for that sword to stay on the ground. Because then he said, and I have strengthened the hands and the arms of the king of Babylon, a most unlikely ally with the Lord. But God said, I have strengthened his arms. Not so he could get up at conference and tell everybody how big his church is. He said, I've strengthened his arm so that he would be able to pick that sword up. And that same sword that the enemy has held against you God says, when I break that stronghold, when I break the enemy's arm and that sword falls, I'm going to now strengthen the arm of the church. You might be the smallest church in your town. You might be the most unlikely person in the world. But if God breaks one arm, He's got to strengthen somebody else's arm. And I've made up my mind, I'm going to throw both hands up in the air and say, God, strengthen me. I'll pick that sword up and the same thing that used to put me on the defense, I'll now make sure that it puts me on the offense. No wonder the Bible says, let the praises of God be in your mouth. A two-edged sword in your hand. When the enemy's arm is broken, the church's arm is going to be strengthened. That's why I'm telling you, this is our time. This is our season. This is our opportunity. Because when He is broken, We are going to be strengthened. Let's all stand. Son of man. New Jersey. I have broken the arm. And it's not going to be bound back up. It's not going to be healed. We're not going to put a roller to bind it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to break it so bad that He's just going to have the moanings. Oh. Mm. See, we're not used to that. We're used to being the ones moaning. And we're used to being the ones Groaning. And we're used to being the one grabbing. God said, Mm-mm, I'm tired of that. I'm going to break His arm. I'm going to strengthen your arm. And I want you to hear Him moan a little bit. He said He's going to moan and He's going to have the groanings of a deadly, wounded Here's what I want us to do. Every pastor, every pastor, I just just want you to step out in the aisle. Just identify yourself by stepping out in the aisle. I know you know who you are and I know probably everybody else in this room knows who you are. But I don't know who you are. So if you're a pastor, just step out in the aisle. Now you know better than I know what the stronghold is in your city. Just like I know better than you know what the stronghold is in my city. I can tell you what the stronghold is in Lexington. It's bourbon. It's basketball. It's gambling. So you know what the stronghold is. But I want you, as the pastor the leader of your church to hear these words son of man that's you you, you. son of man I have broken the arm of Pharaoh I've broken it and I have strengthened you're going to go home this weekend to a stronger church You're going to go home this weekend to a stronger ministry. Thank you, Lord. quit. This is not time to throw in the towel. This is not time to retreat. Now listen to me. Because the enemy's arms are broken, you don't have to be broken. One illustration and I'm done. The work of Calvary broke the arms of the enemy stretched out Jesus' arm and nailed it to the cross, it broke that arm of the enemy. And when they stretched out that other arm and they nailed it to the cross, it broke the other arm of the enemy. And because the enemy's arms are broken, we don't have to be broken. And there was a prophecy that what Christ did on the cross by breaking the arms of the enemy,
1: then the enemy
0: would not be able to break any of his bones. And because of Calvary, that arm is going to be broken. And you can go home without the fear of that the enemy's gonna come back and break you. You're living under a prophetic anointing that if you break it,